In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Craig Kikowski is a podcaster living in Los Angeles, California. He likes doing the New York... There. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Kikowski is a podcaster living in Los Angeles, California. He likes doing the New York Times crossword online the day before it's released in the papers. He also likes eating the remnants of steamed milk from his chai latte with his finger. He hates people who insist on backing into parking spaces. Carla is his wife. She likes having the balls of her feet rubbed with brutal force and giving her dog Benny full-bodied hugs. She hates it when Benny then begins to hump the side of her body and also loud bass music. You're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody ever needs to know that Benny thinks that I'm his girlfriend. (laughs) I gave you the option to write your own likes and dislikes. You're right. And then you told me to guess at what might be accurate. I I think I nailed it, right? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) What are the things that you like? Carla? Uh, I think we should do this with our guest because it's, it would be fun <laughs> to like find out what we all three like. <laughs> uh, bonjour, Craig's listeners. <laughs> it's, uh, episode 81 on Craig's list. We are covering my number 20 movie, Les Fabuleux Destin de Amelie Poulon. Oui, oui, oui. Bonjour tout le monde. <laughs> or just known in America as Amelie. <laughs> and to do this. We have a friend here today, and on me, and on me, Dom Lee. <laughs> uh, she is an actress, an improviser, and uh, you know her from a million things, but probably best as Carol. Carol. On Superstore, please say bonjour to Irene White. Oh, bonjour. Bonjour. I'm so happy to be here. Oui, oui, ça va très bien, merci. <laughs> Irene, what are your likes and dislikes? Well, as you were doing those, I was thinking like, oh gosh, interesting. What is it that I like? So I, um, I really like eating spaghetti for breakfast. Oh. Mm, I did it this morning. Um, I, cold, cold spaghetti? Yeah, I can eat cold spaghetti or, or heat it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also really like, uh, I like wearing a bathrobe around the house all the time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and my dislikes, I dislike it. I'm a very good parallel parker and I dislike it when people don't give me enough room Mm. or doubt that I'm going to be able to do it. Like when they pull up too close behind me and get, and I can see them getting irritated. And I think if you had just given me room, like we wouldn't even have a problem. Yeah. Now they have these self parking cars, right? Yeah, (laughs) I guess so. Takes the whole art out of it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when I lived in Chicago, I got so good at parallel parking. Yeah. We don't have to do anything for ourselves anymore. <laughs> we don't have to learn I, anything. No, nothing. We can just Google everything. Oh. Robots are doing everything Robots for us. are doing everything, including feeling 
<laughs> the reason, by the way, that we're doing these likes and dislikes is that whenever a character is introduced in the movie Amelie, uh, it, it kind of covers things they like and things they don't like, but in a very like tactile, yeah. sensual way. Yeah. Uh, sensual, not in the sense of sexy, but just of, like the five senses, yes, you yeah. know? And it, it's very unusual for a movie, I think, to have like that amount of activating all five of your senses mm-hmm. in, a, in a cool way. That's why these likes and dislikes are so memorable, uh, as a device to introduce characters in, in Amelie. I like the sound of a match hitting the matchbook. Oh yeah. I like that too. <laughs> I do like I have that. all these matchbooks because I like long matches. <laughs> I like the sound and the feeling of my knitting needles clicking together mm. <laughs> and how the yarn wraps around my finger. Mm. That's very yeah fun. I like um, hearing my cat, one of my cats snores. <laughs> and I mean, I could just listen to it for hours. You know, <laughs> it's very soft and it gets like a little. <laughs> <laughs> what are your cat's names? Um, <laughs> George and now Georgie, but originally they were both named George. Only one was with an S on the end. So it was a George and George. French style. Sure. <laughs> and it, it was confusing for all three of us. So now it's just George and Georgie. <laughs> Georgie is the girl. Cute. Yeah. You've had these cats a long time. Yeah. 13 and a half. They are elderly now and they're, they're, I've never had a cat that long. So we're discovering some elderly behavior. I feel like I've, I knew you when you got those cats. Yeah, you did probably. Cause I Cause, got them in 2005. And they got really sick right away or something. One right? of them used to have seizures. Yes. Oh. I've been very fortunate with my cats. <laughs> no, but she doesn't have seizures anymore. Weird. Yeah. They, she just grew out of them. Yeah. She what? had seizures. I don't know. And she was on medication for a long time. And now, now my boy cat, you know, I don't know. <laughs> He's old and he's got cat eye herpes and oh nice, which apparently is nothing to worry about. It sounds terrible, but he is on eye drops. Cat eye herpes is <laughs> three words I would never imagine to be strung together. Do you dislike the sound of those three words together? <laughs> yes, Craig dislikes the phrase cat eye herpes. <laughs> Well, Amelie is a movie that came out in two thousand and one, directed mm-hmm. by Jean Pierre Genet. Uh, following up two, uh, movies that he co-directed with Mark Caro called, uh, Delicatessen and City of Lost Children. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those movies? I have seen Delicatessen and I saw City of Lost Children after I saw Amelie. But I don't remember that much about it, except that I recognize several of the actors from Amelie. He uses a lot of the same actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominique Pinon, who is the, uh, the, Guy in the cafe who's kind of stalkery yeah, and yeah. recording stuff into his uh, voice memos. Uh, he's the lead in Delicatessen and he plays five clones in uh, City right. of Lost Children. That's right. That's right. City of Lost Children also has, uh, uh, Ron the Perlman. Beast, Ron Perlman. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and, th- and I bring up these movies just because Genet has a very distinct visual mm-hmm. style and uh, those movies specifically are kind of post-apocalyptic. Yeah. So they kind of exist in more of a sci-fi mm-hmm. world. But uh, this is uh, ostensibly real life in, in Paris, though so it's very much a fairy tale uh, version of it. But the, there's something about kind of bringing that sci-fi sensibility and there's like little bits of CGI and magical realism yeah. in Amelie that, I are, that are fun. I confuse him with the guy who did the fish movie last year. <laughs> Tim Burton? No. Oh, uh, Guillermo del oh, Toro. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
because right. they have a similar kind of fantastical, almost they do. monstery yeah, they do. kind of thing. Yeah. And what was the other movie that Guillermo del Toro? He also did um, Pan's Labyrinth. That's it. Yes. I, right. For the longest I totally time, I thought that was the same them. director. Yeah. That that's a pretty uh, understandable assumption. To yeah, make, totally. I would say. And then he followed this up with a very long engagement, also starring Audrey Tattoo. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and Jodie Foster. And Jodie yeah. Foster. Yeah. And Marion Cotillard. And Marion Cotillard. Oh, Did I say I her name right? She's in that. <laughs> Sometimes I just pretend like I know French <laughs> and I make it sound like it. Similarly, I'm going to pronounce things probably wrong, but in a very... Uh, sensual way. Sensual way. <laughs> in terms of the senses. Not, <laughs> yeah, the five senses. Not but, sexiness. But you actually are fluent in <laughs> the language of French. I would say that I... Um, I'm not completely fluent. The subjunctive is a tough tense for me. Oh, that's subjunctive. <laughs> what does subjunctive mean? Subjunctive, I'm sorry, it's been a while. No, so in English, we also have a subjunctive, which is, uh, which people don't use correctly really, but it's like, if I were, da 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 da. But people, you'll, you, you will hear them say, if I was your sister, I would da da da. But that's actually incorrect. You should say, if I were, da da da. Got it. So, there's this, the subjunctive in French is not quite that, but it is a tense that exists in, um, possibility. So you have, right. to, there's like certain words you use it behind. Um, and I just don't. So it's conjugating the verbs that are, right. that are hard. And in so the you've learned your verbs and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, except if it's behind this one word, you're actually supposed to use this other conjugation of that. And because so much of French sounds alike, because mm-hmm. um, they have so many silent letters. It's just hard. So to answer your question, I'm not totally <laughs> fluent, but I'm totally functional. And I am not afraid of making mistakes. Yeah. And I'm not af- – and when I go there, I try to speak French. And I, if people respond to me in English, I say in French, thank you so much. I'd like to practice my French. Okay. And then I but, sometimes understand what's being said and sometimes not. Right. Yeah. When did you did you take French in high school? No, I started taking French the first time I went to Paris. I took Spanish in high school, and then I went to France for the first time in ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight, with my brother, and we were on our way to Italy. And um, I was under the assumption that I was going to love Italy. I'm Catholic. I thought, oh, the Pope, this guy's going <laughs> to love me. So I had take, I was living here, and I had taken Italian at LACC, and. So, but Paris was kind of on the way. He was in Ireland. This is too much detail. Anyway, (laughs) I got to Paris and it was like I was hit in the face with a frying pan. I have, I was just like, Oh my God, I love this place. And so then when I got back here, I started taking French at LACC. So I've been taking since 99. Um, on and off. And I'm still in French class right now. I'm in a conversation class. And so, yeah. So that's amazing. I love that's it. Amazing. I do love it. And how often do you go to France? So I went last Christmas or, or no, I'm sorry, uh, 2016 and I'm going again this Christmas. So I leave next Saturday. Oh yeah. And I'm going by myself. I went by myself last time. Yeah. And I know there are riots there right now for anyone who's listening to this <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> I'm aware. Um, but I've contacted people there and they're like, they're very French about it. They're like, don't worry about it. And the street food around the riots is really delicious. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, great. <laughs> then I won't worry about it. Cause the riot, I mean, they were defacing the Arc de Triomphe, right? I, yeah, it's been bad over on the Champs Elysees. Yeah. It's been 
it's been bad. And my, I'm staying at an Airbnb and the guy was like, yeah, but they plan. They tell you when they're going to be there. So just don't go over there when they say they're, they're polite rioters. They are. They're, they have good manners, even yeah. though they're rioting. Wow. So I know, but it is a bad scene, I think. Which arrondissement will you be in? I'll be in the troisième, the third. Okay. Last time I stayed in the 18th, which is Montmartre, mm -hmm. but I was over to the right side of the 18th, which I did not know because I had, I just wear rose colored glasses when I'm there, <laughs> but I was not in a good part of town. I sort of didn't get it, you know? And then when I came back here and I said to my, my French teacher, he was like, well, where did you stay? And I was like, Oh, I was in the 18th. And he said, well, I hope you weren't at the Barbès stop. And I was like, yeah, that was my stop. That's exactly where I was. And he was like, why did you stay in that part of town? And then as I thought back, I was like, oh, I guess it did seem dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> But I was just like, whatever, yeah. I'm here. But then I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh, I did see a big fight at the metro stop. And, oh, yeah, I did see people, I think, like, pickpockets around. And, oh, yeah, I did. there was, seemed like drug activity. Okay, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, but you're like, but well, that's just LA yeah, on any like, given exactly. day. I was like, come on, you guys. <laughs> wow. That's exciting though. I'm, I'm excited for you. How fun. I'm excited too. I'm looking forward to it. We honeymooned in Paris. Yep. We sure did. Where did you stay? What part of town? In the most touristy uh, area possible. We didn't do it the right way. I don't think. I don't think so either. I don't want to say I have regrets because I don't want to regret anything. No. And you can go back. Yeah. It'll always be there. It was yeah. my first impression of Paris and I thought I was going to be like you where yeah. I was just like in love and yeah. it was so touristy and so active so where, and where were busy. You? Do you remember what around Ismaa? We were... It was really close to um, Notre Dame, right? Oh, over there, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's... Yeah. In a very touristy area. Yeah, yeah, that's very touristy over there. And people were rude to us, but like in ways where I... I had heard French people were rude, but more just like, uh, we're French, you should try to freak, uh, speak French right. kind of rude. Mm -hmm. But we actually had like people take advantage of us as tourists, oh, you know, and like yell at us for not tipping enough, even But though you're we not supposed tipped. To tip. Yeah, exactly. And we did tip and we had already read we weren't supposed to tip, but yeah. it was like, or you don't have to tip. Yeah. yeah really mean. Yeah, we, <laughs> God, that's terrible. We yeah. had a waiter follow us out in the street Yelling because he didn't like the, the tip that he got. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. And he also was like tricking us into upselling us the whole time. And he did it to the people next to us too. And it was really awful. And we still left a tip though. We yeah. still did. Oh my God. This, see, this story is very disturbing to me. <laughs> yeah. But then what we did a couple of days in when we were like sick of it, yeah. we put up on Facebook, Hey, please recommend stuff to us. Yeah. And then we went to our friends' recommendations and we had a great time. Good. And we got yeah. out of the touristy areas. Yeah. We went to that canal that she skipped stones on in the oh, beginning. Oh, Canal Saint Martin. Yeah, which felt less touristy at the time. I don't know if that's true it or is. not. Uh, up there it is yeah. for sure. That's and I true. loved And found a great that. cafe there. Yeah. And then did – And that was more like, oh, you don't speak French like in a rude, funny way though. Right. <laughs> and it was like more acceptable to I me. I don't like that either. <laughs> yeah. And then we did uh, their equivalent of the High Line. Where, which was really fun. Where in uh, Before Midnight – Yeah. Uh, they walk around, right? Oh. Or before, before sunset. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and we did Montmartre. Montmartre. Yeah. Did I yeah. say it right? 
We did the Amelie Cafe. Yes. I also went there one time. Yeah. Not great. I mean, you know, they get a lot of people, I think, who go in there. Totally. Because because it's – and it's just the exterior, right, if I recall? Or was it the interior? I think it's the interior interior as well. And there are like posters of her face everywhere. Okay. Because I went – I must have gone in like 2002. So it was like really hot when I was there. And so now that's been 16 years ago. So I'm not sure – I guess it was the actual interior. I, I'm sure it was just a regular neighborhood cafe, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that happened to be a Montmartre, uh, uh, Le Du Moulin, right? The, yeah, the two yeah. windmills. Uh-huh, the two windmills. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure since then they've leaned into the touristy aspect yeah. of it. I'm sure everybody wants to see still, the Amelie Cafe. I wonder if cafe. it still is. Like after the movie came out, I know that there were, similar to like a Harry Potter tour, there were like Amelie tours oh, and you can honey. go, I guess, there and – um Probably they take you to Montmartre, maybe to Canal Saint Martin, and then also you. The exterior of the um, vegetable stand is a real. Ex- oh, it's like wow. there's really a vegetable stand right there. Oh, cool. Um, but I don't know how popular it would be now. Well, we were there in 2012, and it was it was still packed. Happened. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. it also like it was very. Was it even? I don't know. I don't think it was called the Amelie Caf- Cafe, but it like no, it's you called something in else. And there were like Amelie posters everywhere. Interesting. Oh, another place or the, this? Place? No, this place. Yeah, yeah. It was very touristy in a way that it's like, of course, Carla, you're not the only person who likes Amelie, Carla. <laughs> it's a very popular movie. Everybody yeah. can like it. But I don't. I don't like hearing that people had bad or really. Well, I mean, that, that's a bad experience having a waiter run out after you. I mean, yeah. like, that's horrible. That's it was humiliating because I, ha- it's humiliating. I'm a wa- I have been a waiter before and I always feel like I treat waiters. Nobody would well. do that here. No. I mean, or maybe they will. I don't know, but like, that's awful. Yeah. It felt humiliating just to know that we had fallen for a tourist trap, I think. Yeah. And I think it's just because when you're, when you're actually in Paris, everything looks like a classic totally. French bistro. Absolutely. Right. Know? Yes, for sure. But there is a definite demarcation of like what's good and what isn't. Yeah, and so that's I why you have so. to crowdsource your recommendations. And I think we've done that for every foreign trip that we've done since, since then. I've yeah, gotten really good, good results. I, yeah. I think you have, there is something to be said for like, just go, you know, where yeah. the wind takes you. I think so. But, yeah. but particularly for meals, I think. Especially because you're in a, when there's another language involved, you're in another country, another mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. You really, and you're spending good money, so you want to eat really good meals. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, if you remember the name of that restaurant, I want to go talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah. He probably still works there. He probably it's does. It's terrible. It's terrible. That's awful. Because I'll tell you very quickly. So the first time I was in Paris, I was there over Christmas and I didn't speak any French and my, and there they celebrate uh, Christmas Eve far more than Christmas Day. Okay. So on Christmas Eve, I was walking around to restaurants trying to get a table for the following day for Christmas night. And um, I had very little French. So and, and my uh, I, had, we, I had a friend traveling with us. So there were three of us. So I would walk into a restaurant and say, Bonjour, un table pour toi demain which is terrible French for a table for three tomorrow. (laughs) And everybody was like, no, no, no. And then I walk into this Italian place near Notre Dame. I mean, like a crappy little Italian restaurant. And the guy is smoking and he's like, he says to me in French, what time? And I said, 
uh, seven. And he said, okay, yeah, all right, seven, fine. We'll see you tomorrow. So then I leave. So then we go back there the next day at seven o'clock and the restaurant is closed. Oh. And, um, we're standing on the sidewalk and then the guy, I see him in the back and they had opened the restaurant <gasps> for us. What? Yes. <laughs> and so this restaurant is called Mama Lena. It is, terrible <laughs> uh, i go there every time yeah in paris i've taken people there and they're like irene this is terrible i'm like i know <laughs> i know i mean the food is awful but it's delicious it's so and by the time we left on christmas night it was full of Aww. tourists who couldn't find anywhere else to eat wow so like that's a great story yes i love and that so when i yeah. hear that somebody ran out the street after you it's it's humiliating it's yeah. terrible it's terrible and it does terrible things for you know it's terrible yeah i've also been to paris a couple other times that were magical without that me were absolutely magical <laughs> and enchanting oh très magique <laughs> but i mean it's just a beautiful city and even the cliched things are, are so cool yeah. to, to see because everything is so iconic there yeah uh but back to Amelie. Yes. Uh, no, I'm as, glad we did all that background stuff, yeah. though. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> as somebody who was predisposed to finding Paris enchanting, mm -hmm. uh, what did this movie – did you see this movie when it came out and what did it do for you yes. when you saw it? So I was thinking about this. So it came out in September of, of 2001 <laughs> and it premiered at the Toronto, Toronto Film Festival, which was the same week as September 11th. So I – had known about it, I guess maybe from a French class or there was some, I had some knowledge of it coming out. And then September 11th happened and I saw it. I, so I'm not sure when it premiered or when they started showing it here, but it was shortly after September 11th and it was the balm for my soul. Yeah. I mean, like it was everything I needed after September 11th. And I ended up that fall seeing it like four times in the movie theater. Wow. So I did love it because it was Paris, but it was so because of the, the magical realism in it and the, the fantastical nature of it, it was just, it just took me away from everything that was happening here and the, mm. the fright and the, terror and the sadness. So that's part of what made me love it so much. And it was good for me to rewatch it because I didn't remember all of that stuff until later, but um I do still think it's good, mm -hmm. which it wasn't just colored by this, this, the experience. mood you're in at the time. Yes. The yeah. mood, the like emotional space I was in at the time. Yeah. Looks like it came out in Los Angeles in November okay. 2nd, 2001. Okay. Yeah. I saw it in Chicago where I was living at the time. It was before I moved to LA. But, uh, also a, a brand new like art house theater had uh -huh. just opened at the Century Mall in Chicago. And I used to go see most of my movies there at the time. Yeah. And this is when I was on the main stage of Second City and I was like making consistent money for the first time in my life. Like <laughs> yeah. not a lot, but of like I yeah. had a weekly salary and somehow I associate just, and I would go to that theater a lot to see the latest in world <laughs> cinema. <laughs> You know? So uh, I, I kind of associate this move, you know, not that I, you know, hadn't seen a lot of foreign films before this, but I, I just have memories of that particular time in my life and that particular theater uh, and, you know, fell in love with this movie the first time I saw it and, you know, like it just as much. Yeah. Every time since. 
Yeah. I saw it in Cincinnati. I was living, I had lived in Chicago. I moved back home to Kentucky, which is where I'm from in Kentucky is really close to Cincinnati. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're from Louisville. No, I'm no. from uh, Northern Kentucky. Okay, okay. Yeah. Like right over the bridge the from Cincinnati. Okay. Um, so the northernmost part of Kentucky. <laughs> Midwest is really what it is. Uh, and yeah, so I was – that's so interesting you bring up 9-11 because I was going through such a weird – I mean, everybody was going through such a weird transition. It's all about you. Well, no, for me, it was actually. Yeah. I just turned 21. I moved back home. Uh, I dropped out of college mm. in Chicago. I moved back to Kentucky and I was going to move to New York. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of was all about me in the sense that I had planned on yeah. moving to New York in January. Right. I had been saving for six months. Yeah. September 11th happened. Yep. And I was like, I guess I'm not moving to New York because right. nobody – and it's so hard to explain to younger kids now. But like it, it wasn't like bombings were happening every day. Of course not. It wasn't you know that intense. But when that happened, everybody was like, what's going to happen in New York now? Yes, totally. Will you be able to find an apartment? Yeah. Will you be able to find a job? Will yeah. the economy collapse there? Like nobody knew what was going to happen there. So then all of a sudden I was moving to LA and I was really torn about it. Yeah. And I didn't like – really want to, but I also knew I couldn't stay in Kentucky. And then I went and saw this movie and I think it was exactly the same thing where it was just like, so it like transported me out of totally. kind of the confusion. Yeah. It was like very hopeful, very sweet. Mm -hmm. And like, just unlike anything else that was around at that time, yeah. everything was so dreary, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and I think I saw it three times in the theater that yeah. fall. And then I moved to LA. And I am here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. However many years later, here and I am. And found your soulmate, just like Amelie and Nino finding each other <laughs> okay. in this movie. <laughs> uh, this movie, by the way, is just a classic romantic comedy mm -hmm. of uh, kind of keeping the, the two leads who are perfect for each other apart for the entire movie. But there isn't a lot of plot, really. There's not a lot of story propulsion in this. It's mostly just spending time with Amelie, who's this kind of shy, introverted, but sweet yeah. uh, dreamer mm -hmm. um, who kind of lives in her own little world and then kind of decides that she's going to start doing good deeds for people. Yeah. Uh, but then also to gaslight the uh, the grocer... Yeah. Yes, that. <laughs> Lives yes. Down the, the and block. She's, she's inspired by uh, Princess Diana's death. I like know. that's what makes her decide to, to do. Which this. is like odd. I know. Rewatching it, I was like, oh, that's right. This one thing feels so out of the tone of the movie in yeah. that way, but it is so great because it makes it very specific to that time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because it's funny. Like as. I, I knew that that was obviously a plot point, but I, um, I feel like the movie could exist in almost any time period because there's like no cell phones, right? Everybody's, um, appliances are old looking, <laughs> that television, the, the yeah. glass man has is, you know, um, but then, uh, then, it, it very much takes place in 1997. In September of 1997. <laughs> Three weeks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's like really, in, it's really interesting. But it's so perfect too because it was, I mean, we were just talking about 9-11, which is like the most awful thing, but 
I remember when she died and like how crazy that was. And it was the first time that somebody, I think in that era who like didn't have a drug overdose, just like tragically in the prime of their life. Yes. Yeah. And was like this magical princess. Yeah. She was like 36 or something. Yeah. Something. And just the way that she died in Paris, in Paris, in Paris. Yeah. 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 And I like that it comes back to like when she's <laughs> making up the lie about why she's knocking on the guy's door and she's like, oh, okay. to sign the petition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for uh, Lady <laughs> canonize. canonization. <laughs> Diana. And he's like, oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, what degree does this movie work because of Audrey Tattoo? Um, Could anyone have played Amelie? Or is there something special about her? I really want to look it up and see if Marion Cotillard had audition for this well originally yeah tell me jean-pierre genet wrote the movie for emily watson the oh, english the english that. actress I, I do yes and i guess I like got that. to the point of workshopping it in some way with her but her french wasn't very good right. like he had written it so she was she had an english father and like that was the reason oh, <laughs> oh, wow. um, that she was in paris i guess uh, and then she got signed to do Robert Altman's Gosford Park and dropped out of Amelie. Is that right? And Audrey really? Tattoo, uh, had been in a movie called Venus Beauty Institute. Which I've seen and she's great in it. And I guess Jeanne saw a poster for that, uh, was like, that girl has the right look to be yeah. my Amelie. So I don't know if it, it w- got to like the audition process. I see. Necessarily. I think he wrote it for Emily Watson and then decided that, uh, Audrey was the right girl. I have for seen him. a screen test of Audrey tattoo doing okay. this that oh. you have. Yeah. I don't know if it's on the DVD or what. I, um, I, I think it works in great part because of her performance because whether, uh, so she obviously was able to take his direction. I mean, like, I think his vision is very clear in her performance. And so mm. I would say that that means it's a good performance. Um, she, uh, I also think she's very funny. There's like funny yeah. physical things that she does that are so small. And, um, I, 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 yeah, I think it's, in large part because of her performance. Yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like without her. To answer your question, I guess. What, yeah. What about you? I was utterly enchanted yeah. by her and uh, still am to this day. And also she has a very weird haircut and she still looks really cute. Yes. <laughs> that was such a – I do remember that haircut being popular in the it's 90s like, though. Yeah. Yeah, like that diagonal Kind of bowl, bowl cuts or well, – Well, it's, it's like, like angle yeah. and like real uh, – like. Tiny bangs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels like her outfits are very iconic in this yes. too. Particularly yeah. like the red sweater, mm-hmm. like long skirt and clunky shoes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she wears Doc Martens or something. I know. Like I that. thought that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think she's, she's really wonderful. But it's interesting covering this back to back with Goodfellas. Ah. <laughs> um, because it, although these movies cannot be more different, <laughs> stylistically, they're very like audacious and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like breaking the fourth wall in yeah. Goodfellas and in Amelie. A lot yeah. of like direct address to the camera, mm-hmm. winks to the camera, literally. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about, like, uh, examples of magical realism. Yeah. Uh, 
like the, uh, the, the clouds in the shape of animals or, mm-hmm. you know, young Amelie with her, uh, crocodile friend yeah. and her lamp turning itself off and, you know, the, the photos coming to life, you yes. know, and talking to Nino. There's so many wonderful examples of yeah. it. I found myself watching it this time wondering if there had ever been talks for there to be an American remake of it. I'm so glad there never Yeah, has there must been. have been, don't you think? Yeah, I would there think must so. have been like in talks yes. at, at some point. And I could just think of the number of ways that a Hollywood movie would get it wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I saw, you know, there was a uh, a musical of it fairly recently. And it was planned to go, I think it did go to Broadway actually, but I saw it here at the taper, um, or the Amundsen. This is probably two years ago. I do remember ago. this. Who was the lead again? Um, uh, Philippa Sue, who oh. had been in, uh, Hamilton. Oh, right. Right. She was right. fantastic. Yes. But here's the problem with it. It was terrible. <laughs> um, the problem with it was that they obviously could not get rights to the music from Jan Tiersen or from Jean-Pierre Genet oh. because the music in the movie is its own character. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they wrote all new songs. So you go thinking, oh, I'm going to hear, you know, all of that beautiful kind of like, uh, you know, not harmonica. What's it called? What's that accordion called? Accordion yeah. music. Yeah. And, and none of it was in the musical. Hmm. And so that's weird. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. And I didn't know that going in. It was, and, and, and it just was, it just didn't work. And so that's what makes me think when you're like, oh, I wonder if there was, talks of that there probably was one thing that always annoys me about romantic comedies is like the plot contrivances to keep people apart and mm-hmm. basically these two characters don't do not really meet until the very end of the movie yeah they kind of have a cat and mouse thing yeah. going on but it's really just their own shyness and quirkiness which is keeping them apart from each other yeah you know he's kind of weird in his in his own way too so there's there's a sweetness to that uh, I also, one thing I love about all the little bits of animation is he only, he does everything once. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, that, you know, like she doesn't have like a regular relationship with the lamp. Right. You know? yeah. and I feel like a Hollywood movie would just, they'd go to that well a few more times. Yes. Yeah. I also feel like the, the glass man, her elderly neighbor that she becomes friends with, like the American version, he'd be like more like cantankerous and hater right yeah, away. Yeah, like he'd, Nick Nolte. Hey. He'd be a Nick Nolte <laughs> type. And then there, there'd be a moment of him thawing, you know, yeah. and warming up to her. And, uh, from the beginning, he's just kind of like an old guy of like, he's kind of sweet and kind of yeah. cantankerous of like everything exists in more of a, a European amb- ambiguity, which I, which also I think like. if it were made here, we would eventually at the end see him go outside. Yeah. And it would be like, Oh, that's right. right. He can leave his apartment. <laughs> right, right, right. But we never, we never see that. No, the, actually the final shot of him is just doing what he's been doing, yes. right? Which is just, but it's painting. like in a different style. Yeah. Which is how they show, I think, growth. That's I also great. love the scene. One of the things I love about the film is that it's not, it is Amelie's journey, but we see other people not from her point of view. So that, that, um, scene where, um, I can't believe I can't think of his name, but the helper at Lucien. Lucien, yeah. Uh, and when he brings the food to the glass man yeah. and he does the show for him where he unlocks the artichoke, you know, and he's like, yeah, I yeah. don't like artichokes. And he's like, I love that, that we get to see moments of joy for all of them. Yeah. Um, Something you had mentioned when we first started watching this, Craig, was do I think that she's a manic pixie dream girl? 
And as we were watching it, I was really thinking about that because really, if you were to list her qualities on paper, she absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> in the sense that she's quirky and, you know, has these adventures mm-hmm. and, um, but I think it's so different because I think that term applies specifically to stories about men. Yes. And how the women ah, yeah. affect the men. Yeah. And this is totally her story. Right. Um, even though there are scenes with other people's point of view, but they're still like her neighbors or yes. her friends yeah. or her whatever. And so she's able to exist on her own as that before she even meets the guy. Yeah. You know? And you well, that's interesting, yeah. Accept her quirks, but she also just feels like a, a three dimensional person. She's yeah. not some idealized version of a uh, wacky and I female. Think, I think we accept her because of how much we know about her childhood. You're so she right. Was, yep. She was homeschooled. Her parents never let her do anything. So all of that, you know, the, the goldfish who tried to commit suicide yeah. and then they <laughs> pour it out, you know, so it's, we, because her, her upbringing is so odd. I think we, we accept the way she is. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, of course. She didn't have any friends. Right. And I, her mother is killed by yes. a, a suicide jumping off, off of Notre, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame lands on her mother. I mean, how dark is that? And hilarious. How dark <laughs> and hilarious. The same thing with like when her dad goes to listen to her heart, she, he never touches her. So she gets excited. So he thinks she has a heart problem. <laughs> it's so awful and hilarious. Yeah. I know. Oh. I know. It's so like – it's really dark or the fact like that, that even as a child, she was torturing one of her neighbors by pulling out the yes. plug when he's watching a TV show, you know? <laughs> That's one of my favorite things in the movie. That yeah. is so fun. Yeah. yeah. I love it. This movie is so sweet, but somehow not sickly sweet. And I it's agree. really hard yeah, to find that balance. I mean, it's got nudity and yeah, sex scenes Yeah, when he works in, in this like porn shop. So I keep forgetting that. So the movie came out, it was rated R. And I was like, why? And then somebody told me it's because of that br- very brief birth scene. And, or the um, 15 orgasms that. scene, yeah. And then, and then when I rewatched it this time, I was like, oh yeah, there's the orgasm thing. And then yeah, he works in a sex shop. And there's like a topless dancing <laughs> Yeah, scene. there is, where yeah. he's like, can you cover my shift or whatever. <laughs> but it's never t- presented very... Uh, sexily. Right. You know, just like he just happens to work here. Yeah. Some, this is slightly off topic. I'm sorry. Uh, but I hadn't noticed this ever before watching it. And this time I thought his coworker, who when Amelie comes to talk to her, seems like she's totally not into him. But then when he's talking to her later, doesn't it seem like she is into Nino? Yeah. Because of the way that. I don't know. For the first time, I was like, oh, it seems like maybe she's in love with his coworker. Yeah. The one who's like tight bun. I can't remember, but she's, I'm sorry. This is so like, they're pricing dildos together. She's pricing the dildos with him. Yes. yes, Okay. (laughs) And in that scene for the, cause in the scene with Amelie, she says, oh, when Amelie asks about his girlfriend, she's like, he doesn't keep them around for long. Right. And I'd never heard that before either. And then in the scene with her, it seems like she's like, who cares about this girl? Why are you, you know? Oh, I, that's funny. I, I didn't read it that way, yeah. but I could see that. I don't know. It was just something that popped out I to could me for see the that. first time where it was like insinuated that maybe a lot of women fall in love with him or yeah. something or attract him. He is an him. attractive guy. There's something about the matter of factness of dealing with sex in this movie that feels very European. And it feels like yeah. an American movie, if he worked in a sex shop, there'd be a lot more self-conscious jokes yes. about that because yeah. we're so much more hung up about right. sex. 
Yeah. The second time I saw this in the theater, we brought, um, it was my friend Marissa. We brought her mom who is like super religious and wonderful, but like very, yeah. <laughs> very conservative. Totally forgot about that stuff. <laughs> and then in the like 15 orgasm scenes, Marissa and I were like, Oh God, I forgot about this. <laughs> and we had just seen it, you know? Yeah. But, but, it, but there, I think that that speaks to like, that's not really what it's about. Exactly. You know? So you don't yeah, really, yeah, yeah, I yeah. For, always forget he, I, I remember that he collects photographs. I always forget that he works in a sex shop yeah. because it's just like where he happens to be working. Right. Have you seen La N, The Hate, written, yes, directed by Matthew Kasovitz? Who's that? He, he plays Nino. Oh. He's a, f- a filmmaker and, and director as well as an actor. Yes, he yeah. is. And he, um, I mean, that movie is really it's tough. It's a black and white movie from 1995 about French racism. Yeah, and- so before oh, this. Wow. So then he, he did this and then, or he did that, and then he's like the romantic lead in this, which yeah. was, I think, considered odd like an odd cho- he was an odd choice for it and then american audiences may also know him as the uh he's the bombing expert in uh uh munich oh, steven spielberg's yes. munich okay mm-hmm. he's part of the the team i really liked that movie i've only seen I think it it's once. a great movie yeah. i only saw it once it's one of those movies that i thought was great but like i never want to see yeah, it again it's tough you know yeah you like m- so many of the movies on Craigslist, <laughs> except for Amelie. <laughs> but you mentioned this being funny, and that that's something that's very hard for comedy to translate mm-hmm. uh, into different cultures and languages. You know, that's something they always say about like Adam Sandler or whatever doesn't play overseas. Yeah. You know, and if you ever see like really broad French comedies, they don't really translate. Yeah, either. It's but, true. But this movie makes me laugh out loud yeah. a lot, and also. In a very verbal way of like, yes. there's a lo- lot of very funny verbal jokes in it, which must mean that in the same way that there's an art to translating a novel, there mm-hmm. must be an art to translating subtitles. I would well, agree with you. Yeah. Rather yes. than doing literal translations. Mm-hmm. And I think like the you, proverbs bit. Yes. Yeah. Are, yeah, the, are the proverbs literally the proverbs no, they're that they're saying. saying? They're doing French yeah. proverbs, yeah, they're, right? Which don't mean anything to us. Got it's like it. stuff like don't roll your chicken in flour or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know that that's what it is, but it's like they have a bunch of proverbs that you're like, I don't know what that means. This is at the very end of the movie. Amelie's friend is kind of testing Nino to see mm-hmm. if he's the right guy for her and she says you know my family always said you know don't trust a guy who doesn't know proverbs yeah, or something yeah. like that so it's like haste makes waste curiosity uh-huh. killed the cat yeah, but yeah. but obviously they're they're anglicized yes. you know idioms rather than the, the French version you know as broad as the film is I think one of the reasons it actually is funny to us is that the performances I feel like are small, like Dominique Pinot, who you mm-hmm. mentioned, who plays the, I mean, stalker guy, basically. Yeah. His performance is pretty contained. And, you know, they have those cuts to him where he's like listening to them talk and he's like, you know, or whatever. He's like, there's some, and yet it's broad, but he makes me laugh. Yeah. yeah. He makes yeah. me laugh. And he has that thing where he's challenging Ippolito, the, the uh, failed writer. Yeah, yes. he, he goes or something. Yeah. He like whistles at him, and I, I just think it's so funny. And um, the woman, the hypochondriac, whose name I can't think of right now. It's like she's also funny. Georgette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Georgette. Yeah, oh, I should have named my cat Georgette. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Next time. <laughs> yeah, uh, all the all yeah. the supporting characters are really wonderful. I would. Um, 
I would be curious to read this script and to know how many lines Amelie actually says in the movie. Because that was another thing that I noticed. I was like, oh, she doesn't really speak as much as I thought. Like, think of any of her moments. And it's like, like I'm thinking of when she first hears about the lady or Princess Diana. You know, like that whole scene. Oh, yeah. She doesn't doesn't say say one word. You know, it's really... Even with she the also, glass man. She also doesn't say anything in the scene at the very end before she, well, she doesn't speak actually at the end of the film. Um, because, uh, she's making her plum cake and she's yeah. imagining mm-hmm. all the way to, all the way to meeting him, all the way to the end of the film. From that point, she doesn't have any lines. Right. And so I actually am not even sure what her last line is. Now that I'm thinking about it. I think it's when she comes into the cafe and the writer and him are fighting and she says something like, oh, oh, now I want to know what the last line (laughs) is. Because you're, you're absolutely right. She actually doesn't speak. Um, she doesn't have a whole lot of another reason why I think she's so good. The, the scene where she's, um, transforming her neighbor's apartment with the jokes. Yes. So she doesn't yeah. speak in that. Yeah. No, she doesn't yeah. speak with her father that much. Nope. You know, um, that's interesting. I wonder yeah. what her last line is. What is, what is it? What does she say in that? She comes in and she says one thing and then they tell fighting, her, right? yeah. And then they tell her that, um, her, the guy that she likes went off with her friend. Right. I feel like that's the last thing. Do you thing. know what? I'm just realizing she never speaks to Nino. No. She never does. She only writes. He only to him. speaks to her. He's like Amelie. Yeah, Amelie. Is this you? <laughs> Amelie. Amelie. Yeah. She never talks to him. No, because in the in the diner, she just she shakes just her head no. Just... Yeah. On the phone, though, they talk briefly, right? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you know, come, come, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, but, but she's that doesn't dis- count. She's in doesn't disguise. Count. Then she's in disguise. There's no face to face conversation. Just, just very sensual kisses. Sensual oh, I kisses. love it. And then I love the cut to the cat who's oh, like, like feeling like I'm feeling, like just like so relaxed <laughs> and his eyes are closing. <laughs> I love that scene. I forgot how romantic that scene was. Oh, gosh. And quiet. Yeah. Let me drop in a couple factoids and then we'll move on we to go. the quotes. Factoids. Uh, this to this day is still the highest grossing French film in the United States. Oh, wow. Aww. Okay. Shows you how much we need some joy in this. Yes. <laughs> in our I think it was made for a budget of 10 million is gross something like 170 million wow. worldwide. Wow. Uh, got five Oscar nominations, which is very unusual for uh-huh. a foreign language film to bust out of just the foreign language category. It was nominated for art direction, mm. uh, cinematography, uh, foreign language film, sound, I believe, mm-hmm. and maybe cost- script. And screenplay, yeah, oh, for original screenplay as well. Did not win any, including foreign language film. It lost mm-hmm. to a, a Serbian film called No Man's Land. Okay. And not to be mean to No Man's Land, but <laughs> we're not talking about <laughs> what that is film No right Man's now. Land. <laughs> Where is No Man's Land I on mean, Craigslist? I don't mean to make anybody feel bad, but come on. 
what are we doing? The cinematographer, by the way, Bruno Del Bonnell, who's one of the, uh, Bruno the Del most acclaimed cinematographers. He's received five Oscar nominations oh. in his career, including for Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, oh, really? Oh, that movie. As well. And Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, wow. Uh, he did too. So he's, and he was also nominated for a very long engagement. So he's worked with okay. Janae multiple times and the Coen brothers. He just did the Buster Scruggs movie that, wow. uh, that they did. Very cool. Uh, well, let's go chronologically through Amelie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. Mm. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think so. At the very beginning of the movie, we meet Amelie and her mm-hmm. parents. We do the uh, the likes and dislikes. Uh, one of her dads is dislikes peeing next to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and Carla said, "Me too, man." <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's the worst, especially when you know the person. <laughs> I mean, I know I don't have to stand next to them like he does. But. Sure. Uh, b- believe like, me, as a dude, it's even more awkward. I'm sure. I'm sure it must yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you. Uh, there's also like there's a, like a social phenomenon for that thing of like if there's like a ten urinals in a row, yeah. There's an unspoken agreement of like if there's only two dudes in the bathroom, mm. you don't go right Directly next to somebody next else, to right? Yeah, if you're at, like at a baseball game, you might be like packed in with like a hundred guys, and you know, and you don't think anything of it because that's the social contract. Yes, yeah. 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 Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Just thinking of that. And I think her mom dislike or dislikes puckered fingers and then oh, in the yeah. bathtub, yeah. I hate that. And then too. uh there's something about a stranger touching your hand or, or something yes. like oh, yeah. that. A so Carla said, touching your hand. Carla said, yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, don't touch my hand, stranger. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's what's great about these likes and dislikes too, is that it's not because of course you always think like, oh, I hate nails on a chalkboard, but mm-hmm. that's like such a yeah cliche. A cliche, yeah. yeah. And these are all when they're said like, uh, oh, she loves a uh, figure skater's costumes. Yes, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, me too. I love those. They're somehow personal and universal yes. at the yeah. same time. Yeah, and when you what, the the one about well, the, cracking the creme brulee, but totally. like the fingers down in, in the, the grain. I was yes. like, oh yeah, that does feel good. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever done it, but I want to do it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh. Don't do it in public. Make sure nobody else is around. It's not cool to do. We'll buy you some grain. We're trying to encourage people to buy in bulk, you know? Young Amelie may be one of the cutest cinematic kids of all time. Oh, so, so cute. Carla said she's almost as cute as Penny. If Penny's follow, my niece. If you follow, oh, follow. Carla on oh, Instagram. Oh, I know about Penny. <laughs> uh, about 90% of Carla's Instagram is just regramming pictures of her oh, niece, Oh, Penny. I know Penny. Yeah. I feel like I know her and I want to meet her. <laughs> yep, she's pretty great. We've talked with a number of movies on the list that a lot of them kind of an, have an in and out moment, in or out moment. That this has in and out moments as well. Yeah. Um, in or out moment early on. And so I imagine if Amelie is not your thing, you'll know in about two or three minutes uh-huh, whether this sure. is not your movie. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because I think it it is very kind of quirky and. I bet it's actually when the suicider falls on the mom. So I have a friend <laughs> who despised this movie. A very good friend of mine. She. Early Early on, early, early on. Okay, she did see the whole thing. She despised it. She she thinks it's repetitive. She finds Amelie annoying and possibly dangerous. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's not wrong. <laughs> she yeah. She was like, 
uh, and the fact that it took so long for them to get together, she was like, the, the scene in the restaurant that we talked about where she can't talk to him, mm-hmm. she was like, I wanted to scream. Like, I wanted to scream. <laughs> yeah. I, it, we're an hour and 45 minutes into this movie and you're not going to talk to him. Like she was furious. <laughs> so Which anyway, it's very funny though. Yeah. That's a funny reaction to have and fair, you know, yeah, it sure. is. I mean, she did break into somebody's apartment. And yeah. Rewire yeah. their yes. lamp or something. <laughs> the one scene of maybe taking, you know, the, the manic pixie, uh, thing too far is probably when she randomly grabs the blind man and starts yelling things. at right. his ears. <laughs> yeah. Walking very quickly <laughs> with this poor guy. And uh, the movie tells us that he really enjoyed it yeah. and he could finally see for yeah. the first time. Yeah. But, you know, I just want him to say, like, this is, I wasn't going here. Yeah. <laughs> She's just dropping him off in front of a metro stop or yeah, something. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know where I am. And, you know, see, I took the math that he dies. Oh. What? Yeah. <laughs> when he looks up to heaven and it's like, oh. That he's ascending to heaven? Okay. I thought, I thought he was like, oh, I can die happy. <laughs> That could be it. Wow. Okay. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, there is a, the reason I asked if it was, if she had seen it early on and had that reaction, because I do feel like there is this thing where Amelie's been around for so long now Mm -hmm. that people are like, ugh, Amelie. Yeah. You know, like it kind of wears on people's nerves in that way. But yeah. Maybe if it had come out after all of those other, like after what's her face from New Girl, right, right, Zoe Deschanel, like maybe after that kind of trope it was so. Mm-hmm. This everywhere. movie must have influenced Five Hundred Days of Summer. I mean, don't, don't you, think? you think? I yeah. would think so. Yeah, I would. I, would I think, think so. So what do you? So you think there's an in or out m- moment? I don't know if there's a particular moment so much as like the first five minutes of all the narration and the yes. artificiality of that. Yes. Uh, if people aren't into that artificiality, yeah. you'll, you'll know right away. Because, you know, when I was watching it this time, I realized we don't get to the Princess Diana thing until about 26 minutes yeah. in. So that's late. So we don't get to the inciting incident in right. a way until 26 minutes in. So I would agree with you. If you're like, what is the point of this? What is this about? You might turn it off. Before if you, you don't fall there. in love with the character, exactly. there's nothing for you here. Correct. Right. I think. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because it's not a plot, it's not a plot driven movie. The character and the style. It's not a plot driven movie. Exactly. And it is really, I don't want to say it's over directed because I love it. I love the directing in it, but it is like, it's so, it feels like Wes Anderson in the sense of like, I would agree with you. A painting and he is telling people where to move exactly and how to look exactly. And if that's not your jam, yeah, then you're not going to like it. (laughs) So the first kind of good deed she does is, uh, she stumbles across this, this tin of like, uh, child's artifacts that's like stored in the wall I of her so apartment and yeah. she goes trying to find who left it there who lived in her apartment before she gets the name wrong it was Bretto and it's supposed to be Bretto Doe yeah. or something, <laughs> yeah, exactly. something like that uh, but uh, she she finally finds this guy, leaves it in a phone booth, mm-hmm. calls him, and he discovers it and immediately like breaks down crying. Yeah. And it's such a moving scene. I, think. I will yeah. say that that is so, – so that actor, his name is Maurice Benichou. I don't know what else he's been in, probably a lot of stuff. But that moment is truly my favorite moment in the whole film mm-hmm. when the camera's on him and he opens that box. Before the narration even starts, that actor – yeah. That moment is so moving and so 
he's feeling fright. How, how did this get here? And like, could this be real? And all of that. Yeah. It's so uh, amazing. It's so amazing. Mm. And there, it did make me think too, like recently I was purging stuff as I'm trying to do once a year now. And I found something from when I was a kid and like holding it, I remembered it, but it was weird how I didn't remember it until I held it. Yeah. And I think like he captures that so well of like, Oh, I know this thing. Yes. Yeah. It is. It's really moving. It's just a great, (laughs) it's really, really, really nice. And then he says he wants to reconnect with his daughter and meet the grandson. Yeah. And then we get a shot of him at the yeah. end yeah. Uh, feeding his grandson, which the is chicken, so nice. The chicken, his favorite thing. His chicken, yeah. The yeah, oysters? He just takes out the oysters. What are those? I think it's like it's the- It's like a kidney or something? I think it's like or? the organ meat, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm. It's eh. a, yeah. I don't love that <laughs> part. part. <laughs> uh, Jean-Pierre, if you're listening. <laughs> Carla dislikes the oysters on chicken. Um but at one point when she's trying to find track down Brett Oto, uh she she visits it. <laughs> yeah. Is it her uh is she the landlady basically? Or oh, oh. she's referred to as the concierge. Yeah, that's what they're called in there. It's it's a concierge is like the person that is the is, building manager. The building manager, the super. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh so this lady uh is kind of quirky <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as well. And she's got there's a uh She's got her old dog, dead dog stuffed. Yes. And his name is Black Lion. And Carla said, uh, look at what could happen to you, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> Benny was watching We're the movie with us. Benny we will stuff Benny away. and keep him, keep him in our kitchen. Great. Oh, you do that though. <laughs> I've done a couple of taxidermy situations. Oh, I'm Have so really? glad that we get to talk about this, yes. Irene. Cause I, I saw Instagram posts. I did a bird and I did a baby raccoon. And how was it? Um, and why? Uh, so, it's, so I, I had written a screenplay that took place in a funeral home where they were, they were going out of business. So they chose to start, um, mounting the humans okay. in their, the way, like if you go to a museum, you see a lion like at its best. And yeah. So I thought, well, God, what, what if a funeral home mounted humans at like their best moments, like playing tennis and stuff? Like they would, so for the funeral, they make, um, like a diorama basically. Anyway, so I was like, well, I should know what I'm talking about. And so I took two taxidermy classes. They're very hard to yeah. do. Um, and you do have to sort of separate, at least for me, I had to sort of separate my brain from what I was doing mm-hmm. um, because it's gross mm-hmm. and it's it feels, it felt at points a little like I was defiling mm-hmm. a body mm-hmm. and... <laughs> Welcome everyone. Um, but then they came out great and, and I took them with David Iserson's wife, who's a taxidermist and her whole thing is about making the animals look their most glorious. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, it was, but it's hard. It's a skill. They have to be seamstresses. They have to be uh, biologists. They, she knows everything about musculature and bones and wow. how uh, what what how a raccoon is different from a snake what how uh, like all of that it's like amazing it's amazing yeah i definitely respect the artistry of it it is they are artists but absolutely yeah i don't know that i could ever so i took two classes and i don't it's i don't think i could do another one mm-hmm. it was um skillfully difficult and then also was 
Emotionally difficult. Emotionally <laughs> difficult. Wow. Can I ask uh, yeah. another question about this? Sure. I know this is off topic, but I'm finding it fascinating. So we're going it's for it. It's a great topic. Um, did So are you just presented the whole body and then you have to remove everything? Well, uh, uh, with the bird, yes. And that was the hardest part was cleaning it. Yeah. With the raccoon, because it takes so long. They're, they're both two-day classes. With the bird, they and the animal, the bird is frozen when you get it so that it doesn't bleed a lot. Okay. Um, but we did have to clean it out. And that was absolutely the most difficult part. I used to work in costume shops. So by the time we got to sewing it back together, that actually wasn't that hard for me because it was like working with a fur. Right. Um, or, or feathers. The raccoon is a much bigger thing. So those were cleaned by the time we got them. So we, what we received was just the, um, the, the outside. The, the, yeah. The skin okay. basically. And then we made a form that went inside of it and you decided how you were going to pose it. And how do you, what's the form made out of? So the form is made out of the stuff that they used to, um, let me think of what it's called, but they, they use it in gift baskets. It looks like curly Q. <laughs> yeah. Wood. Yeah, yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. what it, I do? I don't know what it's called. That stuff yeah. called. But so that's how you, you use wire oh. and then you, like make it with that stuff all around it, all around it, all around it, all around it. And oh then you, gosh. you sew the, you, with the raccoon actually, um, it was in, it's inside out like a tube sock and then you roll it back over the, Oh floor. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Anyway, I think I know what I'm getting Carla for Christmas. No, 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 no. Final question. Final question. Yeah. Do you have them in your house? Yes, I do. Where? In my living room. And I put them under like glass things. And initially my cats were like, (laughs) but now they're like, no, whatever. (laughs) Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'll take photos when I get home and send them to you. The raccoon, if you look too close, some serious issues with it. <laughs> oh, really? But from far away, it looks great. Okay, cool. Craig's listeners, if this is your first episode, we <laughs> usually do a five-minute segment on taxidermy <laughs> every episode. So, so w- will you stuff Benny for us when uh, when he? So when I changed he my mind, Benny. I don't want to do it to you. <laughs> you uh, I I will not. <laughs> and Alice actually. Uh, this fabulous taxidermist won't do family pets yeah. because something is lost weird. in the translation. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, I just don't do it. It gets weird. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. But there must be some people who do. There are people who do them. And I was yeah. joking, Benny. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> it would make me too sad. I don't know. <laughs> Irene will do it too. I don't know. Where was I? I don't in- know. Oh, you were talking about black lion. Oh, well, and yeah, so Carla, Carla just had that quote, uh, to Benny right. watching it. Um, I, this movie actually made me wonder, uh, oh, did this invent the traveling gnome phenomenon? So and did Travelocity rip it off from Amelie? What's Travelocity? Tra- oh, it's a website and they're, oh, yeah. They're- they have these commercials with the traveling gnome. So I wondered that, I wondered about Flat Stanley. You know how people take pictures of the flat Stanley all over yes. the place? No. Do you know what flat Stanley is? No. It's like a thing that kids do in school and they mail it out and then oh. it's some sort of project. Yeah. It's almost like a pen pal thing, yeah. right? You send it to other countries, oh, to classes in other and countries. And then people take a picture. He's flat, flat because Stanley. he's easily mailed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like oh. it's just a cutout. Weird. Poor Stanley. <laughs> uh, so I wondered that too. I think it is. I do because up in the air – 
also did it, but they reference Amelie. Oh, they do? I haven't seen that in a long time. But uh, apparently the traveling gnome phenomenon started in the oh, 70s. No. Oh, really? Uh, you know the answer. So it's interesting. Why would you, you ask a question like you that you knew the answer to? This is what my life is like, Irene. So we, we hypothesized and then- It sounded stupid. The answer is there. This is my everyday fucking life, so like, everybody. I wonder about this. And then I'm like, but actually, <laughs> I know about this. I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's this. Nope, you're wrong. <laughs> All right, Craig, go on. So it started in the 70s. Well, I wish I had more of the factual information. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> the gist is that Amelie did not create this. Okay. Uh, but it did popularize it. Okay. And I think the Travelocity thing was definitely probably inspired by, by Amelie. Well, no, but- no. Who started it, though, in the 70s? What are you talking about? Uh- <laughs> I think it was Nixon. Nixon. No, I don't know. <laughs> Richard Nixon. Okay. Anyway, it's it's because uh, this is the subplot that's going with Amelie and her dad. Yes. Uh, that she kind of like wants her dad to like expand his horizons yeah. uh, a bit. And so she steals his gnome and then gets her flight attendant friend uh, to fly him yeah. around the world with her sending her dad Polaroids and of the I gnome in front of various – for the first time, and I've seen this movie probably 11 or 12 times, that the cat is the flight attendant's cat. Yeah. And she's cat-sitting. Right. Yeah. And the exchange is that the flight attendant will take the gnome. Right. Okay, I had she's never caught yeah. that before. I had never caught I All this time I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just like Amelie. She has a cat. And I'm like, oh, wait, no. She's house-sitting. She's cat-sitting. But there, you know, as, as much like heavy narration there is, the narrator, by the way, Andre Dussolet, who's a very famous French actor. Very famous. Uh, who does a, a wonderful job. But there's all these other things that aren't explained via narration and pay off like much later yeah. in the movie, like the reveal of the, the Phantom Man in Nino's book. Oh, of, yes. Uh, uh, of who he really is. Like Amelie finds that out much earlier than Nino does, but we still aren't really told and, until the end of uh, that he's the yeah. – yeah, that is my favorite moment. The, the photo movie. booth repairman. I mean, this, when Nino is watch. like, yeah, when he realizes, oh God, it's just, I started sobbing. Tilts. Yeah, I just started <laughs> sobbing because he looked so happy and it was, I don't know. I just love that she set that up for him so that he could discover it without yeah. her telling him. Yeah. Ugh, I love it so much. But also when Amelie is in the grocer's apartment and sabotaging it in various ways, we don't know how that all is going to pay off of yes. like when she, she takes his slippers, slippers and, yeah. and everything. And so the gnome, you know, we imagine that Amelie is, is doing this, but we don't know exactly how she's doing it. And then that, that, uh, it's with her flight attendant friend. Yeah. Um, so, so I like that there's all these little things that are dropped in and then paid off much later. Uh, Carla kept noticing plants throughout this movie. There's so many plants, like house plants, like in in the staircase in their apartment building, not just in somebody's apartment. There's like plants hanging. Really? Yeah. Probably because you've really been trying to work on your green thumb lately. This guy's interesting. (laughs) I did not notice that. Yeah. I I mean, I. So more plants is a Carla's quote. But also when, um, she goes with this, with the guy with the petition for, oh um, yeah. Princess Di, in front of his apartment, there's like 15 plants just sitting there. I gotta go back and look at this. (laughs) But I think it is a green thing, right? Because greens are like the color in the movie. This movie's been processed in a way that all the green really pops. Yes, yes. What are you doing, Benny? (laughs) 
You guys, you can't see this, but Benny is praying to me. Right now. <laughs> oh my God. He is hailing Irene like she is his idol. <laughs> What's your personal, like, favorite example of, uh, magical realism in this movie? Like, there's so many great things. I love the scene where she melts. Oh, like, is, I love that too. When he so leaves. Cool. Yeah. yeah. She, and he she leaves the so cafe and then she turns herself. into water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I love the talking picture to him. Oh, yes. The, the, and that guy's a very famous, I think, uh, French stand up. Oh. His name is Tiki Hidalgo. Um, I love that scene. Yeah. So it's a, it's one of those four in one photo booth photos. And so yeah. you've got four different versions of this guy kind of arguing with each other yeah. and kind of, uh, yeah. doing bits with Nino. You know, I it's, it's really great. I actually really love, I don't know that it would qualify as magical realism, but it's when, um, Georgette and Joseph, that's his name, mm-hmm. have sex in the, and then the, the toilet light starts yes. like flickering and all the water, like all the bottles and she turns on the like cappuccino, the cappuccino like, uh, <laughs> the steamer. Yeah. The yeah. steamer. I, that's I, great. Yeah. I love that. It is. That's, I would, I would consider that. I mean, I guess sort of because it's not real. It's larger than life. Yeah. yeah. It's larger than life. Yes. Uh, walking up the, uh, the hills of Montmartre and Sacre Coeur, mm-hmm. you know, is just one of those great like Paris. Yeah. Uh, rituals that you have to do. Yeah. Like I, I never get tired of the sights around Montmartre in this yeah. movie. Uh, ooh, it's so romantic was a, a frequent Carla's quote. <laughs> this. It is. It is. It's so sweetly romantic. <laughs> the whole movie. Yeah. She needs to shut her blinds was another thing you said. And then finally oh. she does at the end of the movie, yeah. right? Because people could see her. It starts to get... <laughs> Like borderline creepy, I think, with her and the guy, the with the glass, glass man. man. Oh, I see. Um, looking in each other's blinds. Right, 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 right. But then there's a the part where she's um going through the the other guy's apartment to rig all of his stuff. Oh yeah. And the and the glass man sees that too, and it's like, all right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you're right. Li- I mean, it's right. very nitpicky, but yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. <laughs> when there you. is finally that scene of Nino showing up in the cafe, you know that frustrating kind of scene that you talked about before. Uh, here's a couple of uh, of Carla's quotes. Uh, she he asks her point blank, "Is this you?" And yeah. she won't admit to it. Yeah. And Carla said, "What a dummy!" <laughs> and then finally he leaves, and Carla said, "Yeah, like don't waste my time, lady. Are we doing this or what?" <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's it is true. frustrating. That's why that because thing that your friend says, said makes is me laugh. Is this you? And then she, and then he says, "This is you." Yeah. And she still won't acknowledge. Yeah. And that she it's was her. just like, "Nope, not you." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when it is frustrating. I mean, yeah. I understand that it's purposeful, but it's frustrating. Yeah. When Glassman asks uh, Lucien if he has the keys to all the apartments, Carla said, "Good thing we know this guy, and he's not a creep." <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to record a little video for Amelie, telling her to go live her life. His little, his petite Amelie. <laughs> I know. Uh, the writer has this thing where he says, uh, life is a long rehearsal for a show that will never play. <laughs> and Carla said, oh my God, that's so depressing. Yeah. And true. Wait, Amelie <laughs> also breaks into the concierge's apartment. Yes. To leave those letters. And to take yeah. them. Right? Or to, uh, that's what, to take the letters. To take yeah. the letters. Oh, I love that cut and paste segment too when you yeah. show her when making the, the, the letters. The letter and making it look old. Yeah. Uh, for her. That's very nice. That is one. Um, there, 
there is something that I like about how the things that she um, messes with, how those turn out, whether good or bad. So like with her coworker mm-hmm. and the stalker guy, like that's bad. That's yeah, a bad situation. Out, yeah, it is. It turns out, yeah, everything starts going badly. Yeah. yeah. And then the thing with the concierge, it's like, is this really going to make her life better? Or is she yeah. now just going to become obsessed with her yes, dead husband? I know. Yeah. Uh which I thought was interesting. Like they don't really give you that bow on all the yes, stories. I agree. I agree. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Right, Craig? That's right. <laughs> Here's another Carlos quote. I love that big chunky landline phone. <laughs> it was giant. <laughs> that she has buried under several pillows. Like, like she never wants Who's to. Who's calling her? Oh, the, the glass man at the end to tell her to. No. Oh, no. Who's calling her? At home? Yeah. Somebody calls her at home? Remember? Why can't I remember this? I think it is. Because I think he tells her, does he tell her to turn on her TV? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes, that's right. I do remember this. Yeah. yeah. And then Nino shows up on her, at her door yeah. finally. Right, right, right. It's one of those 90s phones, the, <laughs> the cordless. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. She had a sensu- sensual reaction to I that. I did. I was like, well. oh, I kind of miss having just like a landline phone. <laughs> I had one until I, the apartment I just moved into. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You kept it for a long time. I did, yeah. Our cable company calls us every week trying to get us to get a landline. Oh, really? <laughs> but you know, it's not, they don't put them actually in the, they, a landline is actually gone. It's actually through your cable. It's a VOIP is what oh. it is. So the fact of the matter is that it, the reason I kept it was because I was like, oh, if we have an earthquake, at least my phone will work, but it won't if the cable goes out. Right. <laughs> so it's like, right. so, so that infrastructure doesn't exist anymore. No, they wow. won't. If you call the phone company, which where I am, it's AT&T, um, they will not, like, they won't put in an actual landline. So anymore. the existing ones are still there, still there. but they're not going to do anymore. Yep, they won't yeah. do anymore. So if I found one in this apartment, that was still hooked up. They probably wouldn't turn it on. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You can call them if you want. No. AT&T, if you're listening. <laughs> so it's been, I mean, it's probably been 15 years since I've had a landline. Me too. As soon as I got a cell I phone. I liked having yeah. a, a different phone so that I wasn't always on my cell phone. Yeah. But It got to the point where it was 90% telemarketers for me. And like nobody was calling me on the regular. Right. Line. Yeah. Right. My mother would, my parents would be the only people. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, perfect coda for this movie too, like seeing some of the, the supporting characters that we've met, uh, mm-hmm. and that she affected their lives. And then like a, a nice little motorcycle scooter oh, ride yeah. with, oh, with Amelie so and sweet. Nino. And then, uh, Carla, of course, at the end of any movie she likes, oh, <laughs> it's so good. I'm sobbing. I love it. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's so really good. good. I love, I love the writer, the failed writer. Did he get a, I feel like he must have had a moment of likes and dislikes that was cut out. Maybe. Maybe he did. Because at the end, they show him that she spray painted yeah. something. Yeah. His, some graffiti of his quote. Yep. Yeah. Um, I love him. Yeah. That's a nice little touch. Yeah, yeah it is. Nice yeah, we didn't get his likes and dislikes. <laughs> yeah. We didn't really get Joseph's likes and dislikes either, though, did we? Who was Joseph? Dis- Joseph is the star. Dislikes right? women. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a woman hater. Uh, I was kind of wondering before we watched this how that was going to play now. I mean, it's uh, – it's not great. It's not great. It's not as it's, funny yeah. as it would have yeah, been in 2001. It's not, it's not yeah. great. They're, they're definitely, that was the only aspect of it that I was like, oh, wow. Doesn't it, hold up as much. Yeah. In this day and age, mm-hmm. that, that is not, 
And maybe because none of the women are concerned about it, that they're, that, that it feels okay. him in yeah. some way. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I, I, this time I was like, oh yeah, that's, um, hmm. Yeah. There is that French blunt, bluntness, I guess, when the, when he's being a creep thing, just like, you're being a creep. Yeah. Yeah. And he still comes back and has one coffee and sits there all day. <laughs> uh, Irene, you want to give this a letter grade? Oh, I mean, it's A plus. <laughs> it's an A plus. All right. Carla? A plus. <laughs> is this one of your top 10 movies, would you say? I think it is. Yeah. Wow. I think out of all the movies we've watched, this one, Dog Day Afternoon, is still a top ten for me. I've got to see that. Uh, what else did I love? E.T. like came out of the blue for me. I haven't seen it that holds since up the in movie such theater. A I recall sobbing, yeah. which is why I haven't seen it again. I was glad that we rewatched that one for mm-hmm. sure. What else do I like? Some of the other ones that you gave A's include Silence of the Lambs, oh, that's yeah. good. Sound of Music, yeah. Sunset Boulevard, yeah. Um, Sunset Boulevard, Big Night, yeah, Big Night's great. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yeah. Mind, Quiz Show. These are all A's for you. I gave Quiz Show an A. You did. What about The Fugitive? Is that on your list? No, Ooh. it's a great, great, great movie. Shot in Chicago is, while I lived there. Yeah. Me too. That is such a good film. With Neil Flynn as the cop. Yes. <laughs> he gets killed by the one-armed man. And Jane... Um, uh, Jane Lynch is yeah, in, in a dramatic role. Krakowski. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, that's not it. Jane Lynch. Yeah. I love this movie. Um, I think it's better than Goodfellas. Um, oh. I think it's probably... It's so different. Pro- <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Can you- Apples and oranges, right? I, I guess. But this is what it is. Is He's yeah. listing it, so... <laughs> I think I like it better than E.T. as well. Mm. I think, though, I'm going to put Sunset Boulevard slightly ahead of Amelie. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but yeah, Amelie's pretty much going to hold its place on my list. Okay. Was just an enchanted, just as enchanted as I've ever been. Good. This is Bye. one that definitely goes up there for me because of my history with it, my connection to it. Yeah. Uh, you want to improvise a little scene? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Would, you, would you like to play Amelie in this scene? Oh, I don't know okay. that we've ever improvised together. <laughs> no, I know. Okay, all right. I don't know. This is exciting. Who am I playing? Uh, let's see how well Amelie's uh, uh, traits uh, extend to uh, to a couple of American tourists. Let's see if they're as enchanted by her. <laughs> um, I'd like a coffee, please. <laughs> Remember to order it correctly. If you say uh, coffee, you sorry. won't get coffee. Okay, in, in, um, in oh, Monsieur, Paris. Monsieur, Monsieur. <laughs> yeah, what? What? what, what? Uh, it, it's totally fine. The lady can order whatever she wants. All right. Um, yeah. What? What do you want? I, oops! I tied your shoelaces together when you hey. were looking. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I fell over on my face. Thank you so much. He really needed he needed that. Why would you do that? Because you needed to learn a lesson. Uh-huh. What lesson is that? Love is everything there is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want uh I want a beer. What do you have? Oh, he always just wise? wants a beer. What do you have beer wise? You have a Dosekis or uh Takati or something? I have a I have a, a, a beer of dreams. <laughs> beer of dreams. What's, what's I will take one of those. Oh, yes. I, I see you. I see you. And you look like a unicorn to me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not see the rainbow radiating from your, your wife? You are married? Don't you see it? A rainbow unicorn? Like, what? what is that? A uh, uh, the, the lady who does those folders? Are you asking me what it is and you already know the answer to what it is? 
Because that's what he does to me every day. Oh. I thought that the service wasn't very good in France. Like, why are you so up in our face? Oh, because because I can tell that you need my help. I, I, we really don't need your help. We just want I need a your coffee help. And I a need beer. your help. Oh, sir. <laughs> I, I just cut a hole in your pants. Uh. <laughs> that I'm is where your dreams will enter. What? <laughs> and my hand. These, these are oh, do you see the love? Oh, okay. <laughs> Her hands in my pants now. <laughs> do you have a do you have a toilet for uh, for sex in this in this yeah, cafe? We do the toilet to sex. Yes, it, uh, we we do it. It is only used by real lovers. Okay. Wait a second. What's going on here? <laughs> I want. You oh to- Jesus! She just turned into water. Splash. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? She's pretty damn charming. She is. I'll take her home. All right, let's go. To the- I am still here. <laughs> <laughs> Irene, merci beaucoup. Oh, oh yeah, I've got a hole in your pants <laughs> for your dreams to enter. Uh, what's going on with you? What uh, What do you want to promote, or uh, where can people find you online? Well, let's see. Uh, I am. I'm currently on, I recur on a show called Superstore, which is on NBC. And, um, that's the only place you can reliably find. <laughs> you might see me on a commercial or something like that. Um, but, uh, that's sort of. Do you have a Twitter handle? Oh, I do. It's the Irene White. Okay. Yeah, and, the Irene. And White. Instagram so they can see Yeah, your... Instagram, bonjour dot Irene. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> dot as in like V period. Yes. Not the yeah, word. Yes. Okay. Yes. As the yeah. Period Irene. And then they can see your taxidermy. <laughs> yes, they can see oh I'll take some taxidermy pictures. I'll post them today. <laughs> but uh they'll see my photos from Paris. <laughs> Thank this you so much. So fun. Was, this was fantastic. So fun. This was it made me love the film even more. Yay. To have to analyze it and think well, about and to it. Discuss yeah. and hear what, what other people love about it. It's like, oh yeah, that that is amazing. That moment is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a good one. I'm very happy with this one. <laughs> Well, Carla, let's try to keep the streak going because oh I think the next movie is maybe just as magical oh. and enchanting. Okay. Do you know what it is? I don't. Oh, it's, okay, okay. it's a musical from 1952, and it stars Gene Sing Kelly. In the rain. Yeah, yeah, you got it in one, Irene. Got it in one. Because it's one of my top, my top. You said 1952, and I know the answer. I let you get the word Gene out. <laughs> Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, Donald O'Connor, and it's called Singing in the Rain. Oh my God. I like this movie too. All right, ma'am. We're so good. I hope we can do a top 20 of all A's. Well, uh, you gave Goodfellas an A as well. So like maybe eight and a half is the last movie you dislike on the list. Maybe. All right. Well, Well, let's let's keep that streak going. Uh, let's, uh, let's do a little singing and dancing in the rain. Uh, Craig's listeners will, uh, we'll see you in 2019. That, that episode's going to come out in early January, 2019. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Noel. <laughs> the list is an absolute good. The list is life.